This is a Federal News Network podcast. It seemed like a long shot, but an IT contractor successfully protested an award made by the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, even though the protester had higher prices. But the NGA failed to follow its own plan for how it would evaluate bids. We get the details from Smith Pactor McWhorter attorney Joe Petrillo. And Joe, this seems like a garden variety procurement, but it really shows what can happen when the agency doesn't do everything to the letter, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It does show some interesting issues here. And procurement is a pretty garden variety, as you say, procurement of IT support services. And it's going to be for an eight-year term if all the options are exercised. Uh, in support of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. The evaluation criteria were pretty standard. Technical management, past performance, security, which was pass-fail, and price. And the technical management factor had several sub-factors, the most important of which was management plan, the most important sub-factor. That was the uh, evaluation scheme that was set out. They solicited proposals, got a bunch of offers, evaluated them, conducted discussions, evaluated the revised proposals. And after that, they then considered whether or not to make an award. Now, let me just ask you this. This was a task order under an IDIQ or a GWAC, or they simply went to the open market with a new proposal? This was open market and RFP, uh, open to all comers. I think it was restricted to small businesses, but other than that, it was, um, it was open procurement. At the end of the day, the evaluation showed that cars had an outstanding evaluation for technical management, basically based on the outstanding part of its management plan. CARS was the winning bidder. And that was the winning bidder. Tech Synap, who turned out to be the protester, had a good under that, which was one level down in evaluation, and a slightly higher price. In spite of that, Tech Synap felt that it hadn't been evaluated properly, and so they filed a protest at the Government Accountability Office. One other problem that TechSynap had with their proposal was that there were some discrepancies in the price proposal, and it was considered incomplete and therefore eliminated from evaluation. The agency had considered whether or not to reopen discussions to allow TechSynap and another bidder with similar problems in their offer to revise the proposals and cure these problems, but they decided since CARS had an outstanding evaluation and the most important criterion not to go forward with that. In terms of the uh, bid protest, one of the issues was, did CARS really deserve the outstanding evaluation for the management plan? And the problem there was that of the three key personnel, one of them did not have all the minimum necessary qualifications. Solicitation laid out some minimum and desired qualifications. One of those people offered clearly missed out on one. Now, the solicitation did not say that failure to meet a minimum mandatory qualification would require a rejection of the proposal. And so GAO, based on its case law, you know, said that wasn't required. The question was, with that type of deficiency uh, or weakness, is it appropriate to give them the highest score? And, you know, GAO parsed the uh, descriptions of how you achieved the different scores. And based on the evaluation of the agency, it seemed that the failure to meet the minimum qualification should not have enabled an outstanding score. So they upheld the protest on that ground and said that the outstanding rating uh, was not justified on the record. 
We're speaking with attorney Joseph Petrillo of Smith Pactor McWhorter. And did that change the award to Tech Synapse or did that just make the uh, agency have to reevaluate all the bids? There was actually another bid protest issue on which the protester prevailed. And that is, was its evaluation appropriate? And what happened was, if you looked at the technical management evaluation team report, they described the proposal in terms of the management plan in glowing terms. They seem to be saying that it met all the criteria for an outstanding evaluation. They seem to be saying that it had more significant strengths than it really did. And GAO looked at that and then looked at the ultimate grade of simply good and questioned that as well. It didn't meet the criteria that the agency had had laid out if you looked at the words of the evaluation. So that's a second problem with the evaluation. Those two issues called into question the agency's decision not to reopen for discussions to cure some fairly minor problems with the price proposal. So the protest was sustained And the agency now has to either make a proper evaluation or open proposals for another round of discussion. Yeah, interesting. So what I'm hearing is the main lesson here is if managerial quality is the top criterion and some of the people that are part of the management in the bid don't have the minimum requirements set out in the solicitation, then it's pretty hard to imagine how you could get an excellent or a top-rated managerial score if your people don't meet the basic criteria. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, The bottom line is you need consistency between the actual facts of the evaluation and the scores and judgments that are made based on those facts. If they're not adding up, then GAO's got a problem with the award decision. Yeah, and it's probably a good idea if a couple of contractors are incomplete or something in the pricing area. I mean, if you have three bids or five bids and three or four of them are incomplete, That's a sign that maybe there was something unclear about the solicitation, and you probably should have those discussions to, as you put it, cure the deficiency in the bid. At least then everyone's on a level playing field. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are issues that seem fairly minor in terms of disqualification, but, you know, the whole idea of having discussions is you get the proposals in a way that gives the government the best choices to make in terms of who it's going to select as the awardee. All right. Well, lessons learned once again. Joseph Petrillo is a procurement attorney with Smith Pactor McWhorter. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach, at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a senior advisor and deputy chief of staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a B.S. from the University of South Carolina and an M.P.A. from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? 
You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, you think about a pandemic, for example, that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is to sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction uh, which I think is very important when you think about the I- I- empathy that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented a terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America, and certainly within me, uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to be uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina, uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a rural school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream, which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have uh, my willingness to to fight for change, and that was that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, the 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 massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. A very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life, and and it conjured up again these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. and But it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there've been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the US Ch- Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community uh, inspired by that tragedy and now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America 
to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most. And that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Shane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself. 
to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, and, and so I think that's a lesson for me. If there was some advice and counsel I could give is to continue to do your work, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. Target's new red card reloadable saves you 5% every Target trip, in-store and online, and doesn't require a bank account or credit check to get approved. Target.com slash red card to get all the details. Restrictions apply. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.